I have a, a report here that it would do us all well uh, to go and read. It's the last one that came out, but it's by the uh, DHHS uh, here in New Hampshire. If you're interested in seeing exactly what's taken place, this report came out on June the 24th of this year, and so it is active, and unfortunately, uh, the numbers are not good. Um, if I were to ask you to find your knowledge on where things are at today, um, I wonder if you'd be able to tell us what the age group is of most of the um, drug and alcohol abuse and addiction here. Most of the time we say, oh, them teenagers or oh, those young adults. And, um, you know, that's not the truth. In fact, if you start looking at this in every area, it's a 17-page report um, that was put out the end of June, and in every report it was age of 30 to 39. And we start saying, oh, that must be a midlife crisis. I heard a statement this week that said every one of us are one back surgery away from being addicted to painkillers. Now, we may be sitting here, and we're going to get into the Scriptures here in just a moment, and uh, I want our church to know this is a reality around us. I believe that we need to do more. I started on Thursday, my first of five days, uh, going into recovery coach training. And so I had my first class, 30 hours worth of training, and uh, I was asked, as I started that class, we went through, introduced all of ourselves, it was, it's on Zoom, but uh, I was asked, as we went through that, on what's your goals and objectives um, by taking this training. And so I had a little bit of time, about five or six people before me, uh, to make sure I could clarify and communicate that properly. And so the one thing I made mention of as I said, and we believe this, we believe that every human being is made up of three parts. We have spirit, soul, and body. And so as we would look at it today, we would say that the spiritual side, and then you have the physical side, and then the mental side, as we are addressing these. And I said, I, I do believe that I have a good handle on the spiritual side. And I said, then on the physical side, I said, whether it's providing a meal, trying to be able to get some clothes or some, some shoes on the feet or helping to be able to find some housing, all of those things. I said, but on the mental side of things, I said, there is a whole lot more there that I, I do not understand. And I said, I need to be able to understand that. I said, because I believe all three of those just mesh together. And I said, when we can have all three of those and be able to heal completely in all three of those areas, it makes a difference. And so as we began looking at this and understanding the need that's around us, I know we speak of drug court on a regular basis. And if we had the, the time this morning, I'd probably put Ryan on the, on the spot and say, don't worry, I'm not going to, and say, in five minutes, tell us what drug court is. It's a, it's a program uh, that actually people, men and ladies, can plea into, and it is under supervision 
and there's there's classes, there's rehab, there's checking back in uh, with the judge, there's counseling, and it's a very intense program to be able to go through. And uh, most of the time, it's not something that they just wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm starting this, and then they just go all the way through with no hindrances or speed bumps. It's, it's usually not done like that. And we would say, and I'm just setting the tone for today, we would say, and I've, I've said this in the past, and I've, I've changed some thinking on this, that, uh, well, they just need to change their behavior. Well, I want to ask this. Don't raise your hands whatsoever. Do not nod. Do not smile, okay, because you'll give yourself away. So I believe one of the most used drugs across America today is sugar. And so I think about this. Now, how many, and and like I said, don't raise your hand. You think about it in your mind. How many sitting here today are diabetic, And we know that's not good for us. We know that we ought not to be partaking of it. But how many, if that chocolate chip cookie's just sitting there, we just walk on by and say, well, I'll just up my dose of insulin. I'll just take an extra pill and I can counteract that. And so we walk by, we grab that, knowing, hey, it's not good for us. It's a detriment to the body walk by and take it and say, well, I'll just deal with it later and make the adjustments. I mentioned in our college and career young adults class this morning, I said there was a a moment some things get so ingrained into us. I said there was a time several years ago that I was going through a, a personal time of fasting and praying. And I said, I walked through the kitchen not a good place to go when you're trying to fast and give up some things. And I walk through the kitchen, and I'm telling you, without even thinking, I just grabbed something as I walked by, put it in my mouth, ate it, swallowed it. Boy, I got done, and I said, I'm supposed to be fasting right now. Just naturally grabbing it, habit, putting it in, afterwards realizing what in the world. And so I've started thinking on some things, and I said for years, I'm being transparent with you right now, I'm being transparent by saying this, I thought for years, well, they just got to want it. But then I realized this, they might not know what to want. They don't know something different. And I said, what if I started applying some of that same thought process? How many of us could apply that to, well, I'd like to lose about 20 pounds. But then how long's that go? Okay, I'm done in two days. And someone walk up to me and say, well, you just got to want it. How many of us believe that's true? Okay, see, we start thinking that direction. It's a whole different mindset. So we can look at things, and, and one thing I, I learned this week, do you know that they are this close, and they said it, they are this close, dealing with the, the list of addictions across our nation, they are this close to putting video gaming on that list because of the addiction to it. 
that it, they, they have to have it, they're, they're craving it, and everything else takes a back seat as they sit there and they're spending hours and days sitting right there with a video game controller. You say, well, that's, that's not what I struggle with. No, but it could be a monster energy drink. It could be addiction to social media. It could be, and go ahead and name one after another that there may be struggling with. And I will say this, I want us to be able to be a help and to be able to be a blessing and to be able to come alongside and to be able to see a difference made. You say, well, we're just here in New Hampshire. We don't have that big of a population. We're not like Chicago. We're not like New York City. Then why is it that it's always New Hampshire that's in the, in the news that's coming up here? I read a statement uh, this week. Actually, let's get into the scriptures. Turn over to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 30. If you found it and you're willing and able to, let's stand together for the reading of the word of God. Luke chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 30. The Bible says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Boy, isn't that a wonderful account in the scriptures? And I'm going to preach on this subject matter. We know about the Good Samaritan, don't we? I'm going to preach on this subject matter on delivered from the ditch. Delivered from the ditch. Let's have a word of prayer and you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, thank you for the testimonies this morning. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts and lives. Lord, thank you for the difference that can be made in someone's life. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, Lord, to the need that's around us. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, as we place an emphasis on addiction recovery, we do pause to acknowledge how much of an issue it is in our community. And I know that we could spend a lot of time speaking, and, and this by no means is getting into a political issue, but we could be speaking about the, the border not being secure, and we can blame it on that. Countries like China that may continue to send the pills into our nation or the means by which 
the drugs are entering our country. But you know, until those things get fixed, there's still a major issue that's taking place right here in our community that we cannot and should not turn a blind eye to. Just yesterday, and some of you may have seen this article, I thought the timing of it was tremendous. There was this article and and news article that came out with WMUR that said in Nashua and Manchester, there were between 80 and 90 calls for overdoses just through the month of August. 80 to 90. This was on WMUR yesterday. They said that there were 11 deaths that were recorded in the month of August alone, just in those two cities. Now, they said that would put it on pace for those two cities for over 100 deaths just in Nashua and Manchester. But can I say it's no longer something that's just hidden in the shadows. It's no longer just under the darkness of night, but it is front and center, may I say, even here in Concord, Merrimack County, and across our state of New Hampshire. Now, I love our state. I made mention last week that I was talking to an EMT across here in Chichester, and they were reporting on how many phone calls they get made on a regular basis because of painkillers that are being addicted to. I heard testimonies that uh, they go through one surgery, and listen, I'm thankful for modern medicine, but I will say this, boy, that, that, that pain medication that's available today, it's no wonder because it, it allows them to forget everything, forget all the pain, blocks all of that, and it's no wonder how good they feel, but then continue on with that, but then the prescription runs out. But then you can go down to any street corner. They said it's so bad across our state line down here that if you drive through a city like Lawrence and you have your window down, I was told this, they said you stop at a stoplight or a stop sign with your window down and chances are someone will walk by, throw a little packet in your front seat with a telephone number on it. And we've all heard the statement, first one's free. But can I say the results of all of that cost people a whole lot more than what they're realizing. Here in the scriptures, we just read about the Good Samaritan, and I'm amazed at that statement that we've put to it, that title, the Good Samaritan, and how that has so impacted even the secular world by using a Bible truth. But that said around this world, they were a good Samaritan. People that don't even read their Bible know this story and this account that we have here. I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and I really want to make some application to be able to help us today. They said on this subject matter, and I'm going to get off the specifics of it here in just a moment, look at the Scripture. They say on this subject matter, it's so bad here in New Hampshire that everybody buying something off the street, this is what was said yesterday, just needs to assume that that pill or whatever it is, listen, even smoking a joint, even smoking some marijuana, get it off the street, that you just ought to assume that it's laced with fentanyl. And they said the amount that it takes, listen, two milligrams, looking at carfentanil, enough to be able to go on the head of a pen or a pencil, is enough of a lethal dose 
to be able to take someone out. And you say just that, just that amount. Now I say this, if you go back and if you want to look through 17 pages of a report and they show the, the graph in, in our state and how it is, listen, we're in the same color code here in Concord. You say, we got such a, a safe city. We're in the same color code as what it is for Laconia, as what it is for Claremont, Rochester, same color code across the state. That's where Concord is right now, where our church is, where our county. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to look at this subject matter in the scriptures? Now, I want you to see a few things. Let's get off the specifics there and get into Luke chapter number 10 about delivered from the ditch. We're never given this man's name as we read down through here. But I want you to see, first of all, according to verse number 30, we have the attack of the robbers. The attack of the robbers as we look down through. Now, as we think about this this location geographically, the Bible says, verse 30, that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as we look at that stretch of road right there, it's about 17 miles worth of a road that actually descends... Now, think about this, 1,700 feet in elevation. You're dropping 1,000 feet every mile as you're traveling. They said that it's it's steep, it's winding, it descending, very remote road, but a good place for thieves and a good place for robbers because it's so remote there. Am I having an issue with this this morning? I'm going to switch over to this one right here. Give me the pulpit mic good place for thieves as they're coming through, as people are traveling. We see that this man, the Bible says a certain man, went down to Jerusalem and fell among thieves. They were there. They were waiting for him to be able to come. Look what the Bible says that they did to him with no fault of his own. He's just on his journey, the Bible says, traveling down there. First of all, they stripped him of his raiment in verse number 30. Second of all, not just stripped him of his raiment, but they wounded him. Now, we're not sure how they wounded him. We're not sure what they used to wound him. It could have been a rock. It could have been a knife. I guarantee it wasn't a cannon. It wasn't a gun, okay? But uh, it was one of those things. They wounded him. But then the Bible says they departed, left him alone, laying there without his garments on, wounded, alone, and the Bible says this, half dead. As we see the attack of the robbers, we could spend a lot of time on, okay, why would they do that? Was his raiment that worth that much for them to desire to take it? For them to wound him, and leave him laying there on the side of the road in the ditch, half dead, no hope, bleeding out by himself. The attack of the robbers. Can I say at this point, there's no doubt that this man is probably laying there without much hope whatsoever. 
We're not sure what time of day this is. We're not sure at what point in his journey going from Jerusalem down to Jericho this is. We don't know if it's just started. We don't know if he's in the middle of it, towards the end of it. But he's jumped and laying on the side, half dead. But then I want you to see in verse number 30, starting in verse number 31, we have the approach of three travelers. Three travelers, and I want us to look at these three travelers, and I want us to look at their life and their response, and this is where we'll go back and be able to make some application in our lives to perhaps how we would respond if we saw this man laying on the side of the road. Maybe we would say, well, I sure hope someone comes to be able to help them. The first one we see here in verse number 31, the Bible says, and by chance there came down a certain priest. And I want you to see this, that certain priest, now listen, that's not, that's not making the reference to today saying if someone's called a priest, this is exactly what they're going to do. I do believe as we look at this, and we look at this subject matter of healing up and getting them taken care of, I do believe that the priest and the Levite a lot of times would refer to and could resemble organized religion today. Because there's not much difference that's being made here. The priest, the Bible says this, when he saw him. So it's not a matter if he just walked on by and didn't even see the man laying there. But the Bible says that he saw him, and the Bible says he passed by on the other side. If I can just act it out this way, that I'd be, I'd be saying this and believing that it went this direction, that he's walking down this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and probably something catches him out of the corner of the eye, and he sees the man that's laying there, and does not respond, does not move, does not change course, but continues on his journey. You say, well, that's just horrible. It really is. But then we see the Bible says in verse number 32, the Bible says, and likewise, that means in the same manner or just like the priest that came down through, likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, or here comes a second man that is traveling, the Bible says when he was at the place, came, and here's the difference, he didn't just see him, the Bible says he came and looked upon him. Now, there's a difference between seeing and looking upon. That means there is some time that is invested here to gaze upon. So I believe as this has taken place, you have the priest that came down through and saw him and kept on going. I believe the Levite, as he's coming down through, he sees him, and the Bible says he came and he looked upon him and the Bible says this, passed by on the other side. Now, why would someone do that? It's only speculation. It could be that he came and he looked at him and he saw his wounds. He saw he was laying there naked in the ditch. He saw the condition that he was in. And perhaps 
that Levite were to look at him and say, he's gone too far. There's nothing I can do. I would not be able to save that man because of where he's at today. But then the Bible says in verse number 33, it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, here's the difference. The other two passed by on the other side. The Samaritan, the Bible says, he had compassion on him. Compassion on him. You see, there's a difference between just acknowledging that something or someone needs some help. And there's a difference between allowing that condition to actually get in your heart that it would actually make a difference in you or me from the inside out. He had compassion on him. Now, why would he have compassion on him? Can I remind us of this? The Bible is very specific to tell us that this is a Samaritan. Now, back in the Bible times, if you understand the culture of the Samaritans, they were not 100% Jews, and so they were outcasts from the Jewish nation. There was actually a prejudice that was shown against the Samaritans because they would be half Jew and half Gentile, and so the Jewish nation did not want them to be a part, but then because they were part Jew, the Gentiles would not allow them to be a part. So they had it from both sides, a prejudice that was against the Samaritans. I believe the Samaritan understood what it was. Now listen, perhaps he was never laying in that ditch, but yet he knew what it was to have someone just walk on by. He knew what it was to have someone that would treat him and say they're not worth trying to help and get out of the ditch. The Bible says he had compassion. You say, well, what did he do? Well, the Bible says this in verse number 34, he went to him. Do you know why, and I capitalize that in my personal notes to be able to draw my attention to it, went to him. You know why that is? He couldn't get up from where he was at to come to the Samaritan. He was laying there half dead in the ditch because someone at robbers had jumped him, stripped him, wounded him, left him. He couldn't get out of there on his own. But here comes the good Samaritan, and I capitalize that, and I said, listen, there's no place, can I remind us as Granite State Baptist Church, there's no place in the Bible that commands those that are outside these walls to come to us. But over and over and over throughout the scriptures, listen, we are commanded as the children of God to go to them. And listen, you may have to get down into a ditch. I'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself right now. He went to him. The Bible says this. Look at this. He went to him and bound up his wounds. I thought about that binding up the wounds. I know all the, not all of it, but I have a good idea of all the medical protocol that there is today that if if someone had a wound today, boy, the first thing we're doing and several nurses across here that they could tell us, listen, first thing you better do is put some gloves on. 
Boy, you better you better put a mask on. You better you better gown up. You better get ready because you don't know what you're dealing with. Here's a good Samaritan on the side of the road. Listen, he didn't run into town and say, hey, I need a nurse to be able to come out here. He got down in that ditch with him, and the Bible says he bound up his wounds. That, that's where he had been stabbed. That's where he had been hit with a rock. Whatever it may be, bound that up. Helped him right there. Can I remind us of this and make the application over to 2022? Sometimes dealing with some people that are in the ditch, it, it, it's a dirty job. Sometimes, I mean, it's dirty. I'll make mention of this, and this was several years ago. Many of you may not remember this. We were trying to, to, to help a man out here around the church. I won't give all the details of it, but can I say this? We showed up one Sunday morning, and the man's gone out into eternity. Passed away from an overdose on Saturday night. Went out into eternity. I walked in the church. It was here on the church property. I walked into the church, I looked at a man who was here at that time, and I said, can I say this? That's the dirty side of ministry. I said, but you know something? That's the reality of it. You know, not everything is sitting into sitting in a nice restaurant, being able to sit down and be able to talk to some people. But here's a Samaritan that is saying, listen, this man is in need, laying over here in the ditch, and he stops what he's doing, goes over there, but not just go to him, binds up his wounds. But then the Bible says this, look at this, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Do you understand from that point in the journey for this Samaritan that he was journeying alongside this man who was beat up and left in the ditch? This man. They journeyed together through that. In fact, it so inconvenienced the Samaritan, the Bible says he put this man on his beast, and so where did the Samaritan ride? He didn't. He walked the rest of the way so that this man would be able to get the help that he needed. Now, I want to share a couple more thoughts with us. First of all, the assessment of the truth. We come down through here. Verse number 35 tells us he gets him. He pays for his care. He invests in this man. He tells them, take care of him. And Jesus asked the question in verse number 36, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? The whole question from a lawyer in the previous verses, Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. That truth is reminded to us here. And the man asked the question trying to get out of it, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus gives the account of the good Samaritan and then asked the question, said, I want you to think about this, and a lawyer had to answer it. Which one was neighbor unto the one that fell among the thieves? And the answer from the lawyer was this, the one that showed mercy. The neighbor was the one that showed mercy. It was not the neighbor, the one that lives next door, that we can see their house. The neighbor was not the one that was said, that, oh, that's the one I'm fighting with across the street. That's not what the definition of neighbor was. The definition of neighbor was that human being that you come in contact with. 
It may be on the road and they may be laying on the side of the road in a ditch. Now, let me ask you this and just get thinking on this. Was it the Samaritan's fault that that man was laying in the ditch? No. But can I ask you another question? Was it that man's fault he was laying in the ditch? He was jumped by the robbers, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it was his fault. He should have never been on that road. He's laying in a ditch. Look at the truths of it. But can I say this? There's so much to be able to look at there. Someone had to help him. Can we agree on that? Someone had to help. Someone had to come alongside, be able to help bind him up on his wounds, to be able to pick him up, to be able to get him out of the ditch, to be able to journey alongside of him, to be able to get him to a place where there's some help that is there, to be able to do something. Now you say, what's the application for us? Here's where I want to get to, and thank you for asking that, okay? You say, where's the application for us? I'm not on the road going from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'm not the one that's traveling. I'm not the robber that put the one in the ditch over there. Can you imagine if they went on down the road and they were there in Jericho and here a few hours later, here comes a man walking in town with a man on his beast behind him, takes him into an inn. Can you imagine what would go through those robbers' minds? Or maybe they were out there just having no regard for human life, trying to go after another one. What's the application for us? Number one, can I remind us of this? Look for the ditches of life. You say, what do you mean look for the ditches? There's always someone that's gone off on one side. We'll see it here in just a few months. Usually when that first snowstorm comes, the first two or three inches, because it's amazing everybody in the past six months forgot how to drive. (laughs) And they still think they're doing 60 miles an hour down the road with two or three inches of snow and going out my road. Listen, if you want to see some, Just come out Bog Road right there. There's a drop-off. There's a ditch on either side, and they come around. You'll see them. They're they're slid off to the sides. Be able to start getting them out of there. Look for the ditches in life. Can I say this physically, emotionally, mentally, even spiritually? Can I say there's some that are going through their journey in life right now, and you know something? They're laying on the side of the road in a ditch. They're struggling with some things. There's some things that if if something doesn't happen, that may be the end to them. They may give up hope. They may say there's no use in continuing to be able to go on, and we ought to. What's our application? The Samaritan, as he's journeying down, the Bible says, as he journeyed, going from Jerusalem to Jericho, saw him. You know why? Because he was looking in the ditches. You say, well, I, I just don't think we ought to help those that are in the ditch. Well, guess what? We are, and we're going to continue to. We're going to continue to. Look at the ditches in life. Can I remind us of this, too? Second of all, what's our application? It's not a pretty sight. You say, what do you mean? I won't get into the details of it this morning. I will tell you about something that happened about 6,000 miles from here. I saw a man very similar to what the Bible's describing right here. In verse number 30, as I was driving along the road, I I was riding, I was in Ghana, West Africa. And as we drove down the road, there was a man laying on the side of the road, the direction we were going, he was on the right-hand side. 
And as we drove down the road, it was between 7 and 7.30 in the morning. We drive down the road, a man laying on the side of the road, his hands are bound up behind him. You can tell he's been beaten. You can tell he didn't survive it. And his body's laying there on the side of the road. Our driver gets on the phone right then, makes a phone call to the police station to be able to tell him and inform him of everything that's going on. And I say this, we go, we preached a couple times that morning, two, three times prison, a couple schools, come back through there at 12, 1230 in the afternoon, the man's still laying there. Our missionary preacher over there gets back on the phone, <laughs> calls back down to the police station, and I thought, listen, it's not always a pretty sight, but someone's got to do something. Someone has to have our hearts open and our eyes open to that which is struggling all around us. Listen, you say, well, that's just a society. We don't need to wade into that. Can I say it's not a matter of just wading in. Sometimes you're in there and you're over your head. We were talking this past week with Ryan and Alyssa. And I said, you guys know this account of the man walking along the beach and some of you have heard this that all the starfish have been washed washed up on the beach you ever who, who's ever heard that before and here's a man down there on the beach and walking along and uh, he's picking up a starfish and he throws it out back out there into the water and the man's standing there watching him and listen there's thousands of them that are out there and walks by and he grabs a starfish and throws it out there and throws it out there grabs another one throws it out into the water and finally this man walks down to him he said what in the world are you doing to summarize it he looked at him he said listen there are thousands of starfish that are laying here that are just going to die on the beach and what difference do you think you're going to make in all of this and the man didn't say one word he turned around and he grabbed another starfish, Brother Mike, and he threw it out there in the water and he turned around to the man and he said it made a difference to that one. And I said it this past week, just over a week ago, I said, listen, I said, we may not be able to save them all. I said, but we have to go after the next one. I said, because there's someone that's laying there. Now, listen, understand this, the good Samaritan, it's going to take time and money. It's going to. You say, well, he could just help himself. He was just robbed. He didn't even have his raiment, didn't have any clothes, didn't have his money. But someone came along and said, listen, I'll pay the bill. And just in case you missed that, Jesus come along. When I couldn't pay the bill for me, when I couldn't say, hey, I can make my way to heaven, when I didn't have enough good works to be able to get there, and someone came along named Jesus and said, I'll pay his bill for all of eternity. And here we have the Good Samaritan. That's why it's referenced over and over and over of being like Jesus, that Jesus did this. It will take time and money. It will take an investment to be able to continue to reach. Can I say this? The investment will bring returns, but not financial dividends, but in lives. Can I say that's, that's what I try to keep my, my focus on, is being able to say, listen, if we, can, if we can save a life, 
If we can change a life and we can, we can make a difference in there. Now listen, it is the showing of mercy when Jesus said at the end of verse number 37, go and do thou likewise. Now do you understand this? And I just want to share this thought and I'm finished this morning. He said, show mercy. We understand the definition of mercy. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Now, I don't know what this man laying in the ditch deserved, but what the response was is he that showed mercy on him, and Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. In other words, live a life. If we're going to resemble Christ and we're going to resemble the good Samaritan, may I say this? It's going to take showing mercy which we may be able to sit around all day long and say, well, this is what they deserve. You know something? We may be right, and you may be right. But Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. In other words, show some mercy. Because you know something? We didn't get what we deserve in life. Jesus paid our price. Mercy not getting what they deserve. And I said, Lord, if you'd allow me to, listen, I desire to be a pastor that's full of grace. I desire to be a pastor that is showing mercy to those that are around. Because, listen, those are the same two things that have been bestowed upon me. Now, can I remind us, far above what any addiction may be taking place, listen, even seated right here this morning. You say, in church on a Sunday morning? You'd be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be. It's almost the saying today, pick your poison. Because there's so many, there's some of you can't wait to get out and go watch a football game. Some that can't wait to get out and be able to get back on social media, be able to get back on their phones. Listen, there is, there, there's medical studies taking place about the damage that's, that's taking place in, in people's neck and shoulders because their heads are down all the time because that's where this is. And, and, and the neck muscles and the bones right up through here on how tight they're getting just because of cell phone addiction. What's taking place with thumbs because of video game addiction. You say, oh, I don't have any of that hard stuff. Hey, I'm talking about there's things in your life and my life that if we start looking at, we're like, we can't live without it. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us on this? But far above any of those things, can I say this? There's a sin problem that's in people's lives across this nation that only Jesus is going to be able to take care of. And the Bible says, by nature, we're against God. Jesus died for us on Calvary, shed his blood for us, died, was buried, and rose again. Listen, so that we can call upon him, trust him, and be saved for all of eternity. That's what the Bible says. You say, well, if someone just gets saved, does that mean that that all these problems are going to be taken away? Let me ask you this. Have you made a mistake or messed up this week? But you know what we do? Yeah, we mess up, slip up, try to get back up, and try to at least keep going forward. At least be able to do some. You say, what's the difference in all this? Well, there's some that have something in their life that they may be addicted to, but you can hide it from everybody. 
But then there's some, listen, their addiction, that if they make the wrong choice, it could cost them their life. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us? Listen, what's our response as a church? I want to live right here like the Good Samaritan. I want to be able to make a difference. I do want to tell them about the love of Jesus. I've heard this over and over and over again. Well, nobody loves me. I'm just out here by myself. Over and over, we've heard it. You know why tomorrow at 1 o'clock we'll go sit in a courthouse in Concord at Merrimack County? You know why we'll go sit there? And we'll try to talk to everyone that we can to let them know that there's a church that's here in this city that we're, we're rooting for them. And we want to be able to see a difference in their life. We want to see them succeed and make a difference. You say, well, pastor, is there a big difference that's being made? We're going to do everything that we can to be able to make a difference. And listen, I want our church, I want our eyes to be opened and understand, listen, don't just change the channel when you start hearing those stories across our state. Would you let it affect your heart? Would you let it make a difference? Why do you think we gather together on a Friday night? Yes, it's a faith-based addiction recovery. Friday nights. There's some that, listen, they come in. You know what got one here on Friday night? I told them we had a meal at 645. And we had a tremendous evening. And I'm thankful for it. The church is involved in that. Listen, there's, there's, there's material and information out here on the table. The same training that I'm going through, listen, it's all printed out out there for you to be able to take it and have that information to be able to study and to be able to do more, be able to learn more about all that. But where it comes down to us as a church is let's be praying and say, God, would you put something in my heart, listen, just to be able to help someone that may be in a ditch today. And then would open our eyes as we go throughout life and be able to say, okay, who is it? Start looking in the ditches. Start saying, God, who can I help today? Who can we make a difference? And then pray our church can sure make a difference with those that are around us. I believe God would be honored with that. I believe God would be pleased. You need to ask yourself in your heart, which one of these three travelers am I? Am I just passing by the other side? Uh, maybe if I don't see it, it'll go away. No, he was still laying there. Which one of the travelers are we and what's the condition of our hearts?